everybody. Welcome back to another week of Ghost in the Scene, certified audio sage, ghost-friendly podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chopatazzi, and I am back with my co-host, Rob Thomas. Rob, how are you? Gio, like yourself, you know, I'm patting myself here on the back and, um, you know, through my astral projection, if you feel that little tap tap on your shoulder, that's me. Oh, that feels good. We deserve it. You know, we have a lot of naysayers, a lot of haters out there. And time and time again, we just show everyone, we show the world the multiverse really why you never mess with ghost in the scene people have tried again and again to bring us down but you know we end up on top because we are in the good graces of the spirit world with all the good ghosts out there mm-hmm. and anyone bringing in that dark energy ultimately gets taken down we ride the lightning of good we ride it and we, we do it reverse cowgirl style on top. That's how Ghost in the Scene does it. And if you've ever seen any kind of uh, videos where there is a, a bucking bronco and a, a cowboy that refuses to let go, that's Ghost in the Scene. That's, that's our spirit in, in the cowboy form. Now, we're talking about Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, the dirtbag that we called him out for has now officially been uh, called a, a social pariah. Nobody wants a part of Andrew Cuomo anymore. Is it the fact that he had uh, a secret nipple piercings? I don't think so, <laughs> but it could be. Is it the fact that we called him out and then the entire world decided to wake up to, to us? I think so. I think so. The evidence is undeniable. You know, it was a, a small story when when it first came out. And then we reported on it. And all of a sudden, it's one of the hottest button issues um, of our time right now. So um, you're welcome, mm-hmm. everyone. You know, um, and also just a shout out to the street team and all of our followers, because none of this would be possible without you. You know, this Absolutely. is this power that we have is collective power. Uh, and, you know, we could just be speaking into the wind if it wasn't for you, our listeners. So thank you, listeners, uh, for for taking the time to, to be blessed by this audio sage. And, you know, don't cross us. You know, that's. Oh, yeah. No, that's, you know, it's it sounds threatening because it it, it is, is a threat. We're powerful now. Let's just let's just uh, put it on the table here. You've given us power, right? Hours of you listening, millions of people across the multiverse. That's billions upon billions, trillions maybe. I can't count that high. I don't think anybody can. And anybody that says they can, they're lying. Tell them to prove it. Tell them to prove it, okay? Because we can't prove it, but I'm sure there are millions and billions of people that have given us their ears, and in between your ears is your brain. I don't want to say that we've been incepting our audience. I don't want to say that we've been secretly enchanting our audience. But Rob and I have become very powerful spellcasters in our own right. That's just a fact. Second of all, you've given us your ears. 
that is when it comes to ritual that is part of if you look up in any kind of witch book any kind of spell book you'll find that the listener's ears is a common ingredient so i don't want to say that we're, we've been doing anything nefarious we've just all been participating in a large ritual most media is like that now greetings people greet everybody why do you think i say the same thing almost every time you guys have to have noticed that I usually never change what I say. Why do you think that is? It's an intro to a ritual. It is the opening, you know, sounding note, the gong that everyone needs to hear to center themselves. So, yes, our power is your power. But once you step away from the light and you, you dismount the lightning, you then become, you know, uh, able to be electrocuted you become uh, ungrounded and that can lead to all kinds of problems. So let's, uh, let's all look for um, the positives in that and just say, you know, you're riding the lightning with us. That's good. Stay on, stay on the lightning bolt, baby. And, and if you want some proof, you know, are you thirsty right now? Are you taking a sip of water as you listen to us? Hmm. That's, that's some mind control. And if you're not sipping a glass of water right now, next time you are sipping a glass of water, and I guarantee there will be a point where you're sipping a glass of water, that's ghost in the scene. Mm -hmm. And that's holy water you're drinking. Courtesy of ghost in the scene. Now, there's been a lot of world moves happening. Vaccines are ramping up. There's extra ones that are getting invented, coming out from other dimensions. Now. If you guys remember, this is a mandala effect kind of thing. When I was growing up, there was the company called Johnson. It was called Johnson Baby Oil. And we have been mandalaed. And now another Johnson company from the other dimension was contracted to work with our Johnson company. And they have formed an interdimensional partnership. And they're calling it Johnson & Johnson. Now, that's how we're getting the vaccine. That's why it came out of nowhere. Months after the first two vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, we're getting the Johnson & Johnson one. And this is, if you heard, there was some, some kind of uh, issues with the church. The Catholic church was saying not to take the Johnson & Johnson. And that could be because of the interdimensional issues that they have with it, because the same Jesus Christ of our universe is not the same Jesus Christ of their universe. In fact, apparently the other Jesus Christ was uh, just a carpenter, just a really good carpenter. And he never, you know, he was afraid of water, so he never got baptized. And he was kind of a disappointment in the religious eyes, but he was a great craftsman. He made some good chairs, good houses. But that's, the, the Catholic Church has an issue with that because when you give power to that Jesus Christ, you're only making him a better carpenter and you're not making him a better deity. Like with all our prayers go to our version of, of the Christ. So that's the issue that they had with Johnson and Johnson and all of this world moves. Of course, you know, the, the bees come buzzing and we hear them. And so there's been a lot of, uh, of murmurs and of course, Hollywood is, is, is almost dead silent, except for the fact that, you know, 
um, in the dead silence, there comes ghosts, there comes the paranormal, zombies. And who better than to harness all of this dark energy than Marvel, than Disney itself? So, Rob, uh, before we get into the, the, the main, main subject, the main meat of this, this convo, um, is, is there anything, uh, as far as Hollywood is concerned, the modern shakes of, of the vaccine that, that you've noticed? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's starting, the dynamic is starting to shift. Uh, as we were saying, heading into the pandemic, you know, Hollywood, I think they were ready for it. I think that, uh, you know, Hollywood saw this coming and they used this time to pump more ghosts into the films than ever before. Uh, you know, we talked about movie theaters shutting down. Not every movie theater shut down. They were still showing, you know, movies mostly to ghost audiences. And, you know, Hollywood loves to test audience, right? And if your main audience are ghosts, that's 100% ghost feedback. And we're heading into a ghost feedback loop where it's going to be amplifying the haunted and paranormal aspect of films. So now with the vaccine, that narrative is starting to change where, hey, you can start going to the theaters again. But guess what? It's going to be like 25% people, 75% ghosts. 50 some, you know, and, and it's going to slowly creep up to let more and more people in. But where are the ghosts going to go, everyone? You know, I don't think they're actually leaving the building. You're just, let, they're just going to let more people in to sit with the ghosts because. On top of the ghosts. On top of the ghosts, right. Because ghosts don't actually really need to sit in chairs. You know, you might become the chair for the ghost. Yes. The ghost could be the chair. For you, I mean, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. The ghost could be the popcorn that you're eating, you know. And like Rob said, the the feedback loop, I think, is is just so important to nail down, because if you think about it, really consider the fact that Hollywood has had nothing but the paranormal audience to give them feedback on their movies. Everybody knows they they ask surveys. You know, what, what did you like about this movie? What parts did you like? All of these ghosts are circling the more ghost box. They're all crossing that, that box out saying, we need more ghosts. Because, of course, when everybody is faced with the fact that there is less representation for their, their type of, uh, you know, the way they look, the way they, they, you know, ghosts just have less representation. Let's just call it out. So they, they're begging for more representation. We're going to be, and this is the prediction that we're going to make. We are going to see in the next two, three years, just an exponential increase of paranormal themed movies because Hollywood is taking down all these notes. They are marking down, oh, wow, they really want more ghosts. So you're going to see Ghostbusters come out again. I mean, why do you think they postponed it so long? Because they knew what was happening. Hollywood isn't stupid. This is a multi-million dollar movie, Paul Rudd vehicle. They know it's going to take off. So they want this to be the first paranormal movie to kick off the generation. And of course, this is the next generation of Ghostbusters, you know, movie they're making. So this all adds up to the fact that 
all of this negative uh, ghost energy is, is going to feed into Hollywood, into the machine, and it's going to churn out scary movies, paranormal movies. And we actually, our main, you know, uh, idea for this episode is about that. That This other movie is trying to do the exact same thing. So this is all our fault. I'll say it. I blame a little bit of Ghost in the Scene because we have the world's premier paranormal podcast that we broadcast to the multiverse. And Marvel is, is watching. We know Marvel is watching. Disney is watching. And they have created a Doctor Strange multiverse movie called The Multiverse of Madness. Um, I'll be the first to say it. I, I apologize for giving out the truth uh, to the level that we did. I, I think it's a little bit of our fault, Rob. We kind of put too much gas in it. You know, that's always the type tightrope we walk, right? Like, how much truth can we give to the people what that empowers our community, but at the same time gives ammunition to our enemies? Mm. And I think Disney wants us to be scared of them. But like we were saying in the beginning of the episode, I think it's Disney that needs to be scared of us. Because we are the tastemakers. We are the king makers. You know, mm. and almost every topic that we talk about ends up being incorporated by Disney. So they need us more than we need them. And I think it's important to recognize that dynamic, not to say that there isn't a threat because Disney is a huge corporation. And like you said, they're not just like a multinational corporation. They're going to become a multi-universal corporation. Yes. You know, this is a hungry, hungry machine. A hippo. That, a, 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 the hungriest hippo I've ever seen. And it's going to try to eat up all the marbles it sees in sight. Mm. And, and to them, marbles. ghost in the scene. Marble, yeah. Marble, Marvel. Yes. Wow. Like, I sh and just to, to kind of top that off, you know, I think ghost in the scene, they see us as a marble. But we're not the same size. Nico agrees. Nico heard it. Yeah, of course. He heard it. But we might be a marble that's too big to swallow. And nobody likes those. Everybody likes a marble that easily is swallowable. Kids love swallowable marbles. Okay, so, I mean, you, Rob said it. You know, they have been copying us. They have been researching us. And the easiest example is we started our podcast 2016 started our show doing investigations and then a couple of years later they release a movie called soul and this this is about paranormal research it's about astral traveling which is exactly what we've been doing for years and that's just the the most recent movie they've done we can we can talk about plenty right i mean it's beat for beat my experience being trapped in the ghost dimension and your love of jazz your insatiable love of jazz is is right in you know front and center. All the beeps and the boops. I mean, you can't get any better than that. Well, you can with Ghost in the Scene when you want when you listen to the the source. You can you know you really get the inspiration that Rob feels and when he listens to jazz. But in the movie, of course, 
they did their due diligence. They did their research. They listened to the podcast, but it's a translation. It's not an original. And that's just like with jazz. It's always better when you hear it from the source, from the original. And that's Disney in a nutshell, right? They synthesize what we do. They synthesize what other investigators do. We're not the only ones, of course. You know, we're just a, a part of their library that they you pull from, uh, their resources. They, we have plenty of other friends. The Booze Podcast, I am sure, gets ripped off all the time by Disney. And it's a shame. But this is the kind of thing the corporations are allowed to do in the multiverse. Right? And I guess right now only in this universe, but it will branch out. Because Johnson & Johnson, I mean, when you're talking about that first you know, partnership, it's to do something positive, but at the end of the day, it's a roadmap. Just like Rob was saying, when we give out the truth too much, it is ammunition for our enemies. When Johnson & Johnson pioneered a partnership, interplanetary, interdimensional, that is signifying it is possible that Disney can do it with Disno and, and, you know, and Diz shoulders, Diz eyes. Right? I mean, there's all kinds of Diz corporations out there that want to join to make a Diz body. Think about it. Only Disney's are available in this universe. What about Diz brain? When the Diz brain gets connected, what's going to happen then? I mean, tangentially, you know, you have Diz nuts who famously almost became our president. Yes. So we already had an attempt. I mean, this is something that if you really look at, this has already, you know, been attempted. And now Johnson and Johnson, which if you think about it, is just dick dick, right? Penis penis. Mm. They're joining together, which is much like the Greek god Janus, I believe. Right? The the multi-sex god. This is what we're talking about here. This is deity level stuff, and corporations are doing it. So Disney, these nuts, Diz brain. This is the future that we're looking at. And this is why the paranormal film industry is going to take off because all of this is beautiful, um, a place to mine all of this information. And for us as well, it, it is a strange kind of feedback loop that we fall into as well, where we tell the truth, the truth gets corrupted. We report on the corrupted truth, thus creating more corrupted truth and it's a battle that you know is going to be endless i think here's the sad truth rob i don't see an end for ghosts in the scene even when we die i think as ghosts we're gonna we're gonna even be more responsible for for the podcast because there's gonna be so many ghosts that we're gonna have to get on our side explain you know what we did and how we were able to normalize ghosts but it's going to be a war for, for eternity I mean, it is. And, you know, I don't think it's anything to necessarily be afraid of because when we do pass and our spirits are beyond, you know, I see it as an opportunity to transcend to the next level of the show. Like the amount that we're able to report and groundbreak and connect the spirit world to the physical world, you know, we'll be able, when it's our time to pass, it will also signify a time for this show to transcend as well because we will be reporting exclusively from the spiritual side so i think that 
will also have implications. And it's something that I think you and I are always preparing for. Yes. You know, it's a part of the ritual of uh, astral projecting to be more in touch with our spiritual sides to make sure that we don't lose that contact with the physical world and to prepare all of you for the same journey because it is a journey that we will all undertake at some point our entire multiverse audience will follow us into the the unknown into the what i believe is another copy into coco's underworld i mean if, if you look at disney's coco beat for beat i mean they're they're describing episodes that we have we have put down for you so there's not nothing to be afraid of it's transitions it's it's the way that everything goes. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of podcasters out there that have passed that are just waiting to give us information, you know, to give us insights on, on what's really going down in the spirit world with the recording equipment, you know, what, what's possible. But what we can really look at right now is, is what's happening in our, in our personal spheres, right? What we are doing right now is what's going to inspire the next few years. So until we die, you know, all we can do is kind of fight the battle that we have at hand. And at hand, we have a behemoth. We have something so big because, you know, art imitates life. Life imitates art. We're in that loop. And what do we have but Disney releasing a movie next year, 2022, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is about a, a sorcerer, the Sorcerer Supreme, who has yet, in, in our reality, in the real reality, has yet to be determined. Because last year's Jim Carrey um, will, will officially resign his role and, and will give it up to the next Sorcerer Supreme of our reality. But in the Marvel verse, a Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, is the Sorcerer Supreme. So who's Benedict Cumberbatch? Why is it so hard for everyone to say his name? Because I can say it easily, and yet, you know, you, you talk about a lot of people, and they just won't. He has the same issue that, you know, M. Night Shyamalan has. It's like uh, some kind of spell that they have on their name. I think, like, they were cursed by a witch or something. You know, they probably didn't help an old lady across the street or something when they were kids. And the witch was like, forever, you will have a name unpronounceable, even though it's easy to pronounce. And honestly, I feel like I was given that same, that same problem. You know, people can never say my last name, Chumpatazi. And it's not insulting. I'm, I'm fine with it. I've lived with the curse my whole life. But it's just one of those things that I understand Benedict Cumberbatch is coming from. And M. Night Shyamalan for, for that you know, same reason. People just can never pronounce our names right. And it might be the fact that if they were to pronounce our name right, that would invoke some kind of spell. That could be it. I mean, yeah, it's powerful magic that Binder Dirk is, is dealing with. And it affects a lot of people. So, you know, and, and Gio, you're telling me like uh, his life story. Yes. Is one that is very much of uh, magic, I'd say, of origin. Absolutely. This is a, a man. He's six foot. 
let's just start right there. Okay, when you are when you are born, usually you're born a small baby, right? And the doctors will will usually measure you. And they're like, okay, you know, 20 inches, five inches, whatever, however many inches, right? Size doesn't matter when you're a child. But when you're an adult, it starts to matter. Your height does correlate to how good you are as a person and how good you, you can capably be as a person. So he is six feet tall. So let that sink in. Okay. Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch. That's his name. He has two parents. In, in other universes, you know, you can have multiple parents. But in, in uh, for his case, he has a parent named Timothy Carlton and another one named Wanda Ventham. They are both actors. Meaning, and this is their only child, meaning that they have years of experience working behind you know, the, the screen, behind the scenes, on set, off set, at the craft services. And then they had Benedict Cumberbatch in 1976. Now, Timothy Carlton, his father was a submarine commander named Henry Carlton. And his grandfather was a diplomat, Henry Arnold Cumberbatch. So this is a you know, we've talked about power couples in, in our podcast before. We've talked about the idea of the union of two, you know, personalities that have been on screen and the synthesis that they can create in, in their relationship, the synergy. Benedict Cumberbatch is that synergy, you know, and Wanda, his mom, she was known for her role in the UFO series. This is a, a series of movies called UFO. That sounds pretty paranormal to me. I don't know about you. Now, his father was a character actor, did plenty of movies. But in 1975, the year that his son was conceived, this man was in a Roger Moore movie, 007. Not... Not a 007 movie, but a Roger Moore movie where he plays a spy. Basically, a 007 movie minus the title. I mean, but this is also a spy that we're talking about, Gio. So is it possible that James Bond is just undercover in this film? And he changed his name? Absolutely. Absolutely. He is also in plenty of other... During 19... This guy never stopped working is what I, what I really want to impart. He could have been on set when he conceived Benedict, meaning that Benedict could be a, a total production of you know, the TV hit show, The Kraz, which was also filmed in 75, which his father acted in. So Benedict Cumberbatch, that's his parentage. That's his lineage. This guy is not only... A, a product of the London, the England, you know, art film you know, scene, but he also joined the artist scene as an oil painter in college. So he's painting large canvases on oil. If you've seen uh, an example of large oil canvas painting, Ghostbusters 2, 
has a large canvas oil of a Vigo. Now, I'm not saying that he did that, but that's the only example that I could find online of a large oil painting is of that Ghostbusters 2 Vigo. So he could have created that is all I'm saying. The, the timeline syncs up. So after he's done going to school, he decides to go to a Tibetan monastery in Darjeeling, India to teach English. This is me in quotations, teach English. He went there to learn. If you watch the first Doctor Strange, you see he goes to a monastery. I think it's a Tibetan monastery. And he learns astral projection. He learns how to become a sorcerer. So could that be the fact that, you know, he is just trying to research his future role? Maybe. Could it be that he's from the future traveling back in time to change his past to alter his future? It could be. Yeah, it could happen. But he comes back. And then all of a sudden, he wants to act. He's done painting the Vigo painting. He wants to act. So he starts, and his first role is Stephen Hawking in the TV show, TV movie Hawking, where he personally met Stephen Hawking two times before filming in order to get his mannerisms, to get his genius down. Obviously, the time he spent in Tibetan uh, monastery in India worked to his advantage. He was able to take some kind of essence from Hawking, and he translated that into the movie. And after that, his career just takes off. He's in Sherlock. He's in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He's in Star Trek. And it takes him all the way to Doctor Strange. I mean, this is a strange trajectory to me. You know, this is a, a person that, yes, he had connections to his parents. And obviously that's big in, in Hollywood and uh, in, in England. Uh, you know, the BBC is very involved here. But, you know, to have all of your first roles be the lead role, like that is that is still a very difficult task at hand, especially if your background is not within Hollywood, you know, his professional background. So obviously there is some, some very powerful magic going in. You know, he learned the, the quantum mechanics from Stephen Hawking. He knows how to make his own wormholes. Yes. Right. And he's burrowing through. And I think it's important, you know, this is, this is a person who, has been blessed since the beginning you know this is a person who was born the same year that the first rocky movie came out wow so you know you know he was at the premiere for that his, his, his probably his parents you know because that's the thing i want to impart his parents never stop working they continue to work you know his dad has movies in 76 77 78 i mean he never stopped so He's going to all of these movie premieres, you know, even in the fetus, even as a, as a baby, as a, you know, he couldn't even open his eyes yet. And he's watching Rocky in theaters. Right. And, and also, like we were saying before, this is a person that has, can transcend space and time. So he's yes. not just a baby watching this movie. He is also a full grown six foot man. As a baby. Yes. As a baby. Watching yes. these films and learning how to fly now. And, you know, he's really good at performing people, real-life people. 
you know, we talked about how he was Stephen Hawking. Also, he is Khan in the Star Trek series. If you watch the uh, original Star Trek movies, Khan is a real person. And then he plays him again. He also plays Julian Assange in uh, The Fifth Estate. He also plays Alan Turing in The Imitation Game. And he plays a slave owner in 12 Years a Slave. These are all real people that he played. So like Rob said, this is a, a guy who can transcend space, time, wormholes. You know, I'm sure now they're giving him the power of the multiverse. And this is kind of what we're, we're trying to get to, but we have to kind of set the stage here. But yes, Benedict Cumberbatch is able to astrally project himself anywhere, you know, to where he was when he was a baby, to and you know, places in the world where he's not ever been physically. But he's able to go to Russia and, and talk to Julian Assange in his bunker. He's able to go to the past to talk to Alan Turing. He's able to go to the war horse and, and talk to horses. And this is how he is able to perfect his roles and, and become as prolific as he has been in the past 10 years. I mean, this is a guy that just took off in the last decade to a point where I haven't seen another you know, star with an unpronounceable name that you know regarded, highly regarded. This is going to be the, the phase, what, phase three, phase four of Marvel. He's the head. He's the new Tony Stark. They gave him the beard, the the goatee. That's that's basically giving him the crown. I mean, yeah, and you know, this is like we're saying. You know, if you start already taking lead roles, if you start at the top, like where do you go from there? And the thing about Bunder Dirk is that I, like you said, he becomes almost like this key. For Disney. You know, he's doing Doctor Strange. He's going to be in a Spider-Man movie. You know, and he's just announced to be in a movie called Magic with a K. What the fuck with a K? What? Come on. That's our thing. Right. So I'd be, I'd watch out, listener, because you might open up your podcast one day and you'll click on a link that says, listen to the latest episode of Ghost in the Scene. And our voices might sound a little different. Mm -hmm. Might have that weird American accent that he does. You know? Right. And he'll, he'll try to do both of our voices as well. And, he probably and could. He probably could. We've given him enough ammo with, with right. all of our podcasts before. And, and we said he's an expert in real life people. We're as real as it gets, Rob. Let's let's put it down there. Okay. Multiverse of Madness. He is the, the star. He's the head, right? But we also have people in the background. Sam Raimi is the director. He wasn't the first director. He came in last year in April, which means that something happened with the other director. I think his name was uh, Scott Derrickson or something, or I forget who. But, of course... When, when it comes to paranormal movies, it's very hard. You know, it's like either, you know, shit or get off the pot. You know, if it's too hot in the kitchen, that kind of stuff. They need somebody who is an expert in paranormal activity to helm this movie, to direct this movie. When it's called The Multiverse of Madness, 
that's a pretty high, you know, uh, benchmark that you have to hit. There's so many ghosts streaming through the camera. You have to get the perfect shot. So they got Sam Raimi. This is the guy that created, writ, you know, wrote the Evil Dead series, which of course is about paranormal hauntings, ghosts, you know, um, secret tomes that once are, are, are invoked, then unleash an unspeakable evil. Stuff that they needed, you know, somebody with experience to bring to the multiverse of madness. And of course, he also made the first Spider-Man trilogy. So this is somebody who knows superheroes, who in fact pioneered the modern superhero movie. So Sam Raimi is, I would say, for them, the perfect casting. For us, this is a very dangerous casting. He knows his shit. He knows. This guy is a wizard to the nth degree. He is more of a sorcerer than Benedict Cumberbatch ever could be. Okay? And now we're giving him the keys to the, the Disney vaults, you know, to the secret tomes that Walt Disney hid from the public. I'm afraid because this is somebody that if they're given the, the right key, he could open the gates of hell. And he already made a movie called Drag Me to Hell. So he knows about hell. He knows where the gate is to get dragged through. I'm scared, but also, um, as a paranormal expert, I'm also kind of excited to see where he goes because the one thing that Sam is good at is, you know, sharing his vision. And I feel like if, if anybody else were to take this role as a director, they would literally just rip, you know, scene from scene from Ghost in the Scene. And then I would just be disappointed because I know all of the plot twists. I know all the endings and, you know, where everything's going. But in this way, Sam is going to give us a little bit of his flair, and we'll see some real ghost busting happening. We'll see some real paranormal activity that is irrefutable. And the one thing that uh, I have seen is they did release a little snippet of what the plot is going to be. And Rob, let me know if this rings any bells, okay? So... In this film, Strange unleashes an unspeakable evil as he faces a friend-turned-enemy. Now, what do you think about that? I mean, it's a whole church bell chorus in my head right now. Because mm. all of you listeners know, we actually have a third host. And this third host is actually on every episode. It's just that he is speaking in a frequency that is too high for, for your, our human listeners to hear. But it is not too high. It's a frequency specifically made for horses. Yeah, which is why we have such a huge, you know, huge following in in the horse community and we'll shout out to all the horses out there all the herds you guys we really do it for you not for people but uh rob is saying that our third host the horse i mean you know who he is everyone knows it's mark the horse loffler and this man i would say is a friend turned 
nemesis. I don't know about enemy. Adversary. He challenges us. Okay, this is a somebody that at some point in, in our career decided that we were we were doing things a little bit a little bit wrong. And we disagree. We think he's doing something a little bit wrong. But that's the kind of issue that we've had is that we're not on the same page with Mark. It's 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 kind of heartbreaking sometimes. We tried to have him on to have a, a civil conversation, and we know how much you love when when he talks English, and he he speaks at a, at a human frequency. But you know, it, honestly, we have to cut out so much so much expletives when we do those episodes because he just won't stop calling us you know bad names, and sometimes we deserve it, and sometimes we don't, and I think that's the you know, the issue that we have with him, but this is, they're striking us at a, at a very wounded part of our body right now, right? We're missing a, a key integral part of, of our show because of what Marvel did. I mean, Mark went into the Disney vault. He snuck in, he was tortured and branded by Disney. That happened maybe about a year and a half ago. I'm not sure exactly how long ago, but that happened recently. So this is exactly what Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness is, is about. I mean, it, it's showing what Marvel and what Disney has done to our relationship. It has turned us inside out. And I think that we're going to see, because Sam Raimi is involved, we might see a way out of this. We might see a way to to solve this problem, and I I just think that we need a, a little bit of guidance from a wizard that powerful. Hopefully, he's able to you know kind of give a little nugget to us. I feel like he might, but Benedict himself, he is basically a, a combination of you and I, right? He that's kind of we are the Doctor Strange in our story, and in order to you know figure out what's going to happen we have to find out what this unspeakable evil is because we might release it mark the horse might release it sam raimi might release it so i think there's a, a pretty hefty uh, assignment that we have and it's a duty to find out what this unspeakable evil is could it be a hangover four the long-awaited hangover four movie that I've been trying to get off the, the ground and maybe I shouldn't because I've, I've had some premonitions. I don't know if I've told you about this, but I've been, I've been secretly uh, ghostwriting the hangover four and I've had some dreams where the cast from the hangover four is begging me not to finish it. They're begging me. Uh, literally I've had, you know, I've, I've woken up and, you know, I've had like my shirt almost pulled, you know, and Zach Galifianakis signed it. Please stop writing that, you know? Don't make me do it again. Bradley Cooper, uh, I, I've, I've had flowers arrive at my work. And they're all dead flowers. And it says, you're going to be as dead as these flowers if you finish Hangover 4. So that could be one thing. I don't know. Are you working on, on any screenplays that, that might be unspeakable evil? You know, Jim, it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, I've been inspired to do more writing myself. 
as well. And writing my dreams really comes directly from the dream world is something that I'm experimenting with. And, you know, at, at, at times it, it takes some translation, right? Because, you know, if, if I'm flying and if I got alligator heads for hands, you know, making that into a cohesive sc screenplay is challenging. You know, like, what is the backstory of these alligator hands? How do I feel about them? You know, you know, how do I comb my hair? Because that really bothers me in movies. If a character has hands that are not quite normal, uh, normal is a, is a loaded term, perhaps. Right, of course. Alligator hands can be very normal. Right, right. I mean, uh, you know, it's perspective. But it does bother me in the film if I, if I see a character, regardless of their hand form. Mm -hmm. And I just start to wonder, how are they combing their hair? Their hair is looking very well maintained. And if there's no answer to that, you know, it takes me out of the movie completely. Absolutely. And, and all they have to do is just, you know, show the apparatus that they use with the alligators. I mean, it's not that hard. And there are prop people that can do it. I totally agree that there is, there is a lot of things, especially in dreams, that you, you take and then you kind of have to wrap your mind around it before you really understand what it's meant to, to be, right? Alligators for hands, for a lot of people, at first, you think, oh, I, I can never shake somebody's hand again. But then you think, well, you know, now when I'm at a buffet, I don't have to sit at a table anymore. I could just kind of eat from my hands. So there's positives. And you have to kind of wrap your mind around it first in order to see the positive side. So writing all, all these dreams down, writing, you know, figuring out what's related to you and what, what might be related to another version of you. Because I, I feel like the thing that people don't realize is when we fall into the dream world, all of our other selves in other realities are in the same dream world. Which is why sometimes you might dream of yourself with, you know, a different looking nose or, you know, hair that looks a, a different color or, you know, you might have a different shade of, of, of skin color. And that is, you know, from the fact that is another self, another version of you in the dream world that bumps into you and you see yourself. And of course, you know, it, it, when you recognize you, you always know it's you. And that's the thing about dreams. You're almost never somebody else. You're usually from your own perspective. And ourselves relative to the multiverse, it's still us. Our, you know, it's still our collective unconscious. So the dream world is something that you know, can be explored when it comes to writing and, and understanding the multiverse. And that's something that Sam Raimi is well aware of. So we can, we can probably see that you're going to see Doctor Strange fall asleep and enter some kind of dream world. So maybe we can make some predictions for the multiverse of madness. We can just kind of figure out what they're going to do. Because this is obviously, a, in, in a way, portrayed through our lives. So I'll start with one. I'll start with one. Okay. Um, I know for sure that Nico is going to be involved. I mean, he is such an integral part of our story. Our, my dog, Nico, 
that I think that there is going to be either a character named Nico or um, some kind of protector who is from somewhere with an N, a K, an O, North Korea, Orlando, somewhere. I'm, I'm not sure. But there is going to be a Nico involved in this story, and he's going to protect Doctor Strange. Now, that could be the character of Benedict Wong, um, who is called Wong, but he might change his name to Nico. I'm not sure. I'm, none of us have seen this movie. No, and they haven't, you know, they're still in the middle of filming this movie as well. So there can be a lot of changes. You know, they're listening to this podcast probably as we speak. You know, Disney is known to kind of listen to our airwaves to make sure they're the first ones to listen to it. And they'll they'll change their films to to fit whatever we're saying. I mean, just real quick, Doctor Strange was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Ditko sounds a lot like my dog, Nico. So I'll just leave it there. That's my first prediction. Nico's absolutely in the movie. So here's, here's another one. Um, you know, pictures of Spider-Man. Someone's going to ask for a picture of Spider-Man. Yes. And it's not going to quite make sense. Like, where is this? And it's not really a picture of Spider-Man. You know, it's, someone's going to get duped by a, by a false Spider-Man. Absolutely. That's without a doubt. And I think um, there might be spider, like an actual spider involved. We don't know because this is a multiverse of madness. There could be a Spider-Man a literal Spider-Man. If you watch the original cartoons, there is a there is a, a a type of a Peter Parker that is a spider creature. So, one hundred percent, the spider bitten by a radioactive person. Yes, yes, the opposite. We can keep on going, but let's let's leave some some info, some you know some of the uh, the big you know nuggets for Sam to reveal. But just know that if you've listened to us, if you've seen our, you know, our show on YouTube or if you've seen our, our TikTok, you've basically seen the Multiverse of Madness play out in its rough draft form. You know, you've seen, you've heard Nico, so you know exactly what's going to happen. The barks. But what I want you to look out for is if you get a chance to read the script, if you get a chance to talk to Benedict about this or Sam Ask them, you know, what what can we do to get the horse back on our side, right? Because the one thing that we don't want is at the end of the multiverse of madness for the friend turned enemy to stay an enemy. We need that friend turned enemy to turn back into a friend. So we need the horse, just like every all the horses in, in our, our podcast uh, audience, they need him too. But we know that you love him as much as the horse community does, and we need him back. So please, you know, reach out to Sam, reach out to uh, Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch, and get them to change the ending so that it's a happy ending. Because the last thing we need is, is you know, more enemies. And somebody as powerful as the horse, that would be, um, that'd be hard to, to end him. And I know we, we could 
you know, both of us, but I just don't, I don't, I don't want to get there, you know? No. And, you know, this is going to take the effort from the community. You know, we've reached out to Megan the Stallion, Mm. Um, you know, just beautiful representation of what it's like when human and horses come together. It's truly powerful, inspiring, um, great story, great life story, and something to aspire to. So hopefully these alliances will hold and we can get, you know, our friend Mark back to us and live in the world where it's meant to be, where humans and horses can live together in peace. Mm. I could not have said it better myself, Rob. Wow. Um, Let's call it there. Everybody just kind of have a moment with yourself, pat yourself on the back for, for what we've done in the past. And also look to what the major studios are doing right now, because we're still in a global pandemic and yet the machinations of Hollywood are grinding. They're starting to get, you know, revved up. They're well-oiled, the, you know, blood of, of billions of, of people. We have to keep our eyes peeled, right? Because anything could happen. We literally have, you know, all of this stuff. I mean, we can't even get into the fact that Pepe Le Pew is now kicked out of the Looney Tunes. But maybe we will next week. We might talk about it a little bit. But just remember that, you know, everything's happening for a reason. It's happening right now. You're experiencing it. And that means you can do something about it. That means you can change the narrative. And so, you know, be powerful. Use the power that we give you in your own life because that's what it's there for. It's there to be used. It's not there to be ignored. So everybody stay in the scene. Keep your eyes on the screen. Like we said, we're going to be bombarded by, you know, propaganda that is going to have a different flavor to it. You know, one of the top new movies that's going to come out is Disney's Cruella. You know, the normalization of skinning hundreds of dogs. And, you know, we have to be diligent. You know, you're, you know, even after watching the trailers, like, you know what? Maybe Cruella had some points. Maybe we do need to make more dog-based coats. And I had to stop myself. You know, I had to, I had to close my computer and you know, really, really do some meditations. Uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's going to be coming at us. Um, so be, be nice to your dogs. If you really want to keep warm, you know, you can just wear their, their normal body over your shoulder, like a scarf. You don't have to take their fur off. They're a live body, hopefully. That's what I mean. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Cruella is thinking. You know, that's, that's a one-time deal when you, when you get a coat, but the love you get from a dog is, is eternal. I mean, look, Nico, I mean, that's just right there. So yeah. Right, Cruella is very anti-Nico propaganda. And that's what Disney's trying to do, right? They don't want it. They don't, Nico is our protector. He's literally, he protects our souls when we're not recording. So if Dr. Strange does not have Nico, in the movie, it is an, a direct attack because they are creating anti-Nico propaganda with Corella. I just won't let that stand. I think I'm gonna have to boycott Corella if if Nico is not involved in the Doctor Strange movie. So that's a warning, a shot across the bow for for Disney. Hey guys, 
why don't you leave Nico out of this? Leave him out of this. Or keep him in the Doctor Strange one. So, yeah, everybody, we love you guys. We love you so much. Take care.